Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to It's Karmic. This week, we're having a deep conversation that'll probably hit some trigger points. I'll probably bring up some shit. You know, that's what we do here. But I have a very special friend joining me today on the podcast, Vanessa Persephone. And let me just note that even the fact that Persephone is part of your name is just like so in alignment. Ah, okay. I feel the same. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and one day I need to look back at your chart and see where your Persephone asteroid is because I'm intrigued very much about that. Um, but okay, guys, this soul, oh gosh, we've been connected for quite a while now. Yeah. A good few years. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how, actually, I do know how we got connected. My husband followed your ex-boyfriend, the hockey player. Mm-hmm. And some, somehow he linked to you and was like, babe, I think you're really going to be into this, this girl. She's doing really cool shit. Um, she's really into meditation and like mindfulness. And she seems really, really like up your alley. He's like, I think you should follow her. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And that's literally how I found you on Instagram. The one thing my ex is good for. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) He is to thank for my entire spiritual awakening, basically. So, you know, the beauty is in the darkness. Like that whole concept is genuinely like that is the core of everything. But that's awesome. I love that. I feel like a lot of people find me through him or uh, it's amazing how the network of the world works. Right. Like so, so random. Mm -hmm. It's like through him watching hockey leads him to you to and then he's like you have to connect with her um so for everyone listening oh tell us about yourself and then we'll get deeper into the conversation but like who put yourself on a little box for me for a minute I know it's the worst but um and tell us like who you are and what you're doing with your time right now yeah I was listening to a podcast the other day and they asked about like, how do you love instead of like, what do you do? Where are you from? And I was like, I love that question. So I'll get more on an emotional level first. Um, I would say I'm definitely more introverted and very emotional, very intuitive. I don't know a ton about like my astrology chart yet or human design, but that is like something I will definitely dive into deeper throughout life. Um, And I'm sure findings in there will link to why I feel called to be a healer, a light worker. I, for the last few years, have been sharing pretty openly my journey on social media. It's evolved a lot. And I'm at the point now where I'm sharing about my recovery journey. Most recently with substance abuse, my drug of choice was marijuana. And I've been speaking pretty openly about that and helping other women, um, feel like they're not alone. I now guide women through, I I call it a virtual hangout because I feel like this in-between space of like, I don't necessarily feel ready to get sober. I don't know if I want to. And like, but wanting to heal yourself, like there's a lot of empty space in between that area. And I didn't know that I could receive so much support until I got sober. Like there was a bunch of meetings and there's just a community out there. And that's what I needed long before I made the decision or like came to the realization that I struggled with addiction. So that's what I'm trying to do for other women now is to realize like, you can still receive this connection and this sisterhood and the support. And it doesn't have to be AA or you don't have to be sober. Like 
I'm just trying to connect with like-minded women and help them feel less alone in struggles, whether it be with addiction to love substance. Like I believe women or humans are addicted to something. Like I feel like we have a very addictive nature and I'm a firm believer that we all have our own addictions. Um, it just manifests in different ways. So that's really what I preach about. I also have healed from an eating disorder. So I talk about body neutrality, body love, and, um, really go against the grain of diet culture, fitness culture nowadays. And, um, yeah, when I was dating my ex-boyfriend, I was just kind of like in the limelight. I was cheering professionally for the Vikings and just like following this perfect path. And I looked so happy and was skinny and fit and quote unquote successful and had the professional hockey boyfriend. And I realized like, I'm not happy. And through that heartache, like immense heartache, um, it was pretty chronic and long-term for a few years. It really shook me to my core. And I hopped onto this path of, uh, first I became a yoga instructor. I dropped out of college, took the yoga teacher training path, was managing for yoga studios. Then I decided to switch gears, study to be a health coach. And now I'm working for a corporate job as a health coach and then doing, um, my own podcast, that virtual hangout group, and then just posting on social media whenever I have some free headspace or time. Mm -hmm. So that's basically in a cliff note summary. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I just love the, like the journey of, because, and you've talked about this in your stories, like people for some reason don't associate the fact that you can even be addicted to marijuana or anything, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just like, it's drugs, it's alcohol. Um, and people tend to forget that like marijuana can be a part of that. Um, even, like psilocybin can be a part of that. Even, um, just the things like I'm addicted to chocolate. It's a literal problem that I have to own that. Like, I can't not eat chocolate every day. Like, and, and, and I know that that seems so small, but when it comes to me being like, I really need to stop eating chocolate. Like it's something I can't do. And I have to own that. That's actually a thing. And so I think we forget that what you said there of, we all have these little addictions and vices and, how they, um, they can actually like influence our ability to like be an open channel to like receive guidance, to be present, to be like human. Mm -hmm. So I actually love that you touched on that because I think as I've been watching your journey of sobriety and you've mentioned how people are like, what do you mean you're sober? Like all you did was smoke marijuana and you're like, yeah, but like that kept me like out of my body essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the question is like, is there something in my life that has power over me to the point where I feel out of control and it affected every area of my life? I was a completely different person that I'm still healing from. It's going to take a long time for my brain to fully repair. I was literally a shell of myself. Um, I was just telling you before we hit record that I can handle so much on my plate now. It's amazing to me. Like I get burnt out way less easily. And I'm just like, I feel confident. I can trust myself. Like there were so many qualitative things internally that are way harder to measure when it comes to addiction until you get the education about it. Then you're like, oh my God, duh. But like, it doesn't, it's hard to find until you're like, either in an outpatient or you really seek out that information. And then that validation comes of like, I'm not crazy. I've actually been struggling with something and it's on a spectrum too. So like, 
even though my, I was a high functioning addict, I would say mine was still pretty severe, like smoking multiple times every single day. And even someone who uses weed to go to bed every night, like that is still a crutch. And it's like, it's not good or bad. It's just, I think a matter of self-reflection. And I think people who are less self-aware are more okay with these habits and that's fine, but I'm someone who's self-aware and self-reflective to almost to a detriment. And so any pattern that I have, I'm super aware of, and I can't deny it like for very long. And even with love or even with shopping or like consumerism, I feel like there's a couple areas of addiction that are so normalized, especially on social media or movie culture and diving into like anxious attachment style and all that kind of stuff. Even things like that can become addiction. And consumerism is so normalized nowadays that it's like people who don't ask themselves, what, what would I do if I stopped buying things every single week? What would I do if I didn't have a package come to the house this week? What would I do if I actually stopped dating? Would I be okay? Can I even do that? And if you can't, it's like, there's a problem. Yeah. (laughs) But if you don't want to admit it's a problem, then like that, that's kind of where I've come to terms with is I notice these things in people a lot. I feel like people who are really self-aware can also be aware of other people and their shit. And one lesson that's, if I would want anyone to take away anything from this session is like the only thing that you're meant to reflect on or like grow through heal with is yourself. And like that energy that that work that you're putting on yourself or putting into yourself is going to radiate out to other people. You don't have to tell people or fix people or judge people or Like, it's okay to get irritated by the things that other people do and notice them, but that's ultimately a mirror for ourselves. And so I've had to learn, like, as much as I notice everyone else's shit, like that's ultimately Mm. pointing a finger back to me and my shit again. (laughs) Right. And it's so true. And I like what you mentioned there about like the shopping thing, because uh, I've thought this thought so many times, and maybe this is confirmation that it's time where I'm like, I really would love to challenge myself for like six months to not buy anything that's not, you know, essential, like food and um, gas and stuff like that. Like just, you know, like for six months or a year, really challenge myself, like no Amazon packages, no online shopping. No, I'm not going to go to the store and just buy a dress because like, it's pretty and I deserve it. Like not because I don't deserve it, but just to see if I can. Right. And my thought that I've thought this so many times and I haven't done it comes back to you saying like, well, can you, or is it something you're addicted to that you don't even realize like that quick, um, I guess it would be a dopamine hit shopping's pretty dopamine related. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or like Instagram, right? Like how addicted we all are to Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is that, that, that dopamine hit we get when we go on there and we like reach for our phones. We don't even know why we opened it up. Mm -hmm. Like that thing right there when you're like, I'd love to go on Instagram less, but you don't. And then it comes back to what you said. Like you don't even realize like how, how addicted you are to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a lack of, or I guess some level of ignorance, um, or denial, but then once you come to the, the full truth of it and you realize it's something that you can't deny or ignore or downplay anymore. Um, the question is like, how do you close that gap between knowing and being aware of, and then actually doing like, what's going to get you over to 
the other side of taking action on the thing that you want to do to embody or grow into or align with the best version of yourself? Like, how does that shift happen? And I feel like so many times people have asked me, how did I get sober? How have I changed my life this way? And I'm like, I literally don't even know what to tell people because there's no guidebook. I like to say this too. Like there's no Instagram carousel swipe or reel or like (laughs) five tips. Although those are really easy to digest and super helpful. Mm -hmm. And I save shit all the time that like teaches me stuff on Instagram. Um, as far as like really getting to the core of your own journey and how to change those habits, like that takes work on yourself. And, um, sometimes, well, a lot of the time I believe that support and accountability is like the number one way, you know, if it's just sitting up in your own head, you're going to say, I'm, I'm all, I'll start tomorrow, or this isn't that big of a priority. But when you actually, um, choose to have some accountability outside of yourself, I think that's where change can happen. Mm, I think that's beautiful. Like that community energy, um, community support and yeah, someone holding you accountable. Yeah. A, group, a group of people holding you accountable. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we're both trying to create in social yeah. media, like on a higher level, obviously we have completely different niches, but like so much crossover with spirituality and like at the core, what we're trying to help the world do or grow in. And I feel like we both know that community is like the way to get there or having a coach or having someone dive into your chart or whatever it is like you need to actually invest in the thing to get somewhere like yeah. of energy that happens there. Totally. Uh, I mentioned this on my stories like yesterday, uh, a dear friend of mine put up a post, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago where he basically was like, like, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention or like, you know what I mean? Like, and it just, it lives in my brain now where I'm just like, yeah, like if you don't invest into something, if you don't like put all your eggs in that basket, you're not going to give a fuck about it. Yep. You're not going to like, you know, all those free trainings in your email, like you never do it. You never did it. But if you paid $500 for that training, guaranteed you're doing that training. Oh yeah. 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 Cause there's some risk involved too. Like, yeah, it's that commitment. There's a level of risk. And I think, um, even more than just committing to money, like if there's some sort of, you know, like cancellation policy or something, whatever it is that you commit to. Like when I went to outpatient, I had to get drug tested every single week. Like that's really the only way that I could get sober for those first 60, 90, like those first few months, I could not have done it by myself. There was something that switched in my brain when I knew that someone else was looking at my levels (laughs) and I knew that they were going to be able to tell. And then I have a group of women that I meet with three times a week. And it's just like, once you start to surround yourself with people who maybe not aren't, they're not even relying on you, but you just feel like you're a part of something bigger. There's, I think there's multiple levels to that. Um, commitment and accountability on top of just like money. Cause I mean, people who are financially more abundant could just throw money and still it sits in your inbox. So it's like, okay, what's the actual threat here? Like you're not going to get access to all of the course if you don't get through the next module or whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, need that, uh, that threat a little bit or like we do, we need something to like drive us forward. Yeah. Okay. I love this. Um, I love how the conversation just takes on a life of its own. It's my Mm -hmm. absolute favorite. (laughs) Okay. So 
let's okay it, it, the first I just want to note for anyone listening that's like got the astrology brain going on is like everything we're talking about right now is very Piscean I'm gonna have to look at your chart again one day and see where like because you can do a follow-up chart reading we have to because remember your sun is cancer yeah and your moon cancer cancer I remember yeah you were a new moon baby okay I remember we talked about this and then what was your rising Taurus Taurus. Okay. We're going to have to look and see where, where is this Pisces coming through? Or do you have some 12th house stuff or like, what is this? Um, because like the, the, you know, the addiction stuff, the escapism stuff that's so Piscean and that it's coming up right now with all the freaking energy in Pisces right now is like not shocking, but we're shifting into more conscious states, the higher Pisces. So I love this, but the real reason as we like detour uh, into the next level of this conversation, and I'm sure it'll all link back because it always does, mm-hmm. uh, was that you were posting about sexual shame. And I love your stories too, because they're very much around like body shame and sexual shame and even shame around like, you know, being sober or the opposite of being sober. Like it's very much around like fuck shame. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Um, and so you're posting about sexual shame. And I was like, yeah we got to talk about this because in my work, like I've been very called to go into that sexuality place, that very Lilith energy. Um, and then you were talking about it and I was like, yeah, like, cause I've lived there, you know? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what's, what has been coming up that kind of provoked this conversation for you around sexual shame. I think I've, overall been doing a ton of inner child digging, especially with my therapist lately. And what really sparked this most recent deep dive, I've been aware of it before, um, of just my sexual shame and my uncomfortability or my awkwardness about being able to speak in the bedroom or like say a guy's name or tell them what I want, just, you know, the intricacies of intimacy and being able to express my needs. Um, I feel like someone takes my voice box out when it comes to intimacy. Like there's such a blockage there and I've felt a blockage in my throat chakra on many levels. And I feel like I've broken through that by like speaking out on Instagram and like starting my podcast and there's just different levels. And now like this next level is being open and comfortable about my sexuality, not just like to the vast, like population of whoever's watching my shit, but like when I'm in conversation with specifically intimate partners that I'm going to be sexual with, um, behind closed doors, when no one's liking or commenting back Mm -hmm. or appraising me for having the conversation, it's like me holding myself accountable to expressing my needs, holding boundaries, like that kind of stuff. So, um, what really sparked all of this awareness again, or what made me want to work on it is, I had a dream come up and I didn't even remember that it happened a few weeks ago until I got into a therapy session. I was really anxious that day. And she's like, let's do a meditation. And I think it was like a guided meditation in our chakras. And all of a sudden, um, the dream came up like full on. I remembered all of it because my body was finally relaxed enough to like tap in there and I thought I was really anxious from the day just because of work and this and that. And then I was like, this is why I feel so fucking like off. And the dream was reminding me of one of my core wounds from childhood, which what 
involved me pleasuring myself. And I was with my cousin, one of my girl cousins and one of my older sisters. And we were like doing shit to ourselves, to each other. I was probably like five ish years old. And it's just never been talked about between the three of us. And then I've like been saying that I've been saying this story more openly, but it's still, I feel cringy every time I talk about it um, because there's so much shame there. But even as a little girl, like I would put my vagina up to the bathtub jets and like, just, you know, like exploring. I know it's, I do No, I'm laughing. Cause I know, I know. <laughs> I could go on and on about the experiences, but I feel like the details need to be talked about because there's so, I know most women have a core memory from when they were younger and they didn't feel safe to explore their sexuality. For me, it wasn't talked about and it wasn't necessarily like I got in extreme trouble for it, but there was a level of shame, embarrassment. I knew it was naughty. And then layer that on top of going to a Catholic school, being taught that, um, I don't know if they really talked about pleasuring yourself, but when we got to the age of talking about sex, they basically said, when we lose our virginity, we become a present that's like already opened. So the next person or like our long-term partner, um, who we end up with is going to receive a gift that's like has crinkled wrapping paper, like is already opened. So basically saying we're damaged if we aren't a virgin. And so there's multiple levels of the shame, but I think where I hit my rock bottom. And this kind of ties in with my addiction too, is I was blacking out and having sex with guys the first night, one night stands then in getting ghosted. And that shame cycle was debilitating. Um, I couldn't practice holding boundaries or expressing my needs. Cause number one, I was so blacked out. I didn't even know what I was doing. And number two, these weren't relationships that were formed or like I didn't wait. I didn't go on multiple dates first. I didn't get a feel. I didn't know what I wanted. I only cared about being liked. I didn't care about if I liked them or I had no idea what my standards were. And so I think the core of all of the shame is like a level of insecurity and uncertainty and fear of expressing my truth because I don't want to be rejected or I don't want to feel abandoned. And, um, I'm realizing that like, with the inner child work, I've abandoned myself. Like, obviously there's a level of, um, emotional immaturity and neglect from my parents, but like, ultimately at the end of the day, it's me abandoning my inner child. And how do I embody the inner child that can speak my needs? And then how can I embody the parent that's like validating and giving security to back to myself? So that's like really what's been on top of mind for me lately. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, a thank you for your vulnerability. Let's just start with that. B I relate so deeply to almost everything you said, the, the childhood stuff. Um, I haven't been too open about, um, I've been, you know, not ready to fully like own what happened to me in my childhood from a female cousin that, you know, violated me. And it's really the reason I haven't opened that can of worms is because I don't want to open it with my family because mm-hmm. I don't actually want to hurt them. Um, but it's like so relatable that it's like, oh, that hits so home so deeply. And then that layers into, you know, all the things that us as girls we do. And th- this stuff is fine. It's like we all did it with our friends. Like, we were all doing these things with our friends. 
Um, and the amount of guys I've talked to about it that are shocked about this, it's like, I'm like, really? Because like every girl I've ever talked to was doing that kind of stuff with their friends. You know, we were all grabbing the massage, um, those little back massages. <laughs> <laughs> anything we could find anything we could find teddy bears like anything um and that like relates me back to my own shame story of like I remember my mom walked in one time where I was like you know self-pleasuring with a teddy bear and she was like what you doing and I was like nothing and she, <laughs> she knew and like so much of that I can feel it again like the sensation that happened in that moment right of getting caught when I was like I think I was like six or seven Mm -hmm. and I think so many people listening to this can relate so like a let's thank you for opening up that door because I think like Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about what happened to me as a kid until I was 26 to anyone like anyone and the first person I told was a therapist and like you bringing that up like unraveled so much shame around it, like that I was okay. Right. Like it it wasn't like, it was horrible what happened, but like, it was okay. You know, I'm okay. (laughs) And then carrying that into how interrelated that is to the version of us that shows up as the blackout drunk girl. Yep. Right. That has no idea what she wants because like there is all the shame that we don't feel like we're allowed to ask for what we want or like even know what we want or like why are we even having sex because half of us aren't orgasming at that age because we don't a know how b like we're trying to like fill some void and it's so interrelated and it's not even for ourselves it's for performance it's for pleasuring the guy so that we feel wanted and validated Right. And then, yeah. So that we don't get abandoned, like you mentioned, like, yep. But then, then you end up fulfilling the always self-filled prophecy. Yep. Always every single time that person that you, you don't want to leave you will leave you in those situations. Yeah. Whew. We're going deep guys. We've gone, <laughs> we've gone deep. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like this just brings up so much around what I feel happens you know in our how old are you now 24 24 okay so I feel like like it could happen at any point but especially like after our Saturn return so you're not there yet but like women seem to like shut down and like lose that or it's that point like after the Saturn return where like we want to like refine our pleasure practices um and you're just an old soul so like you just might already be there (laughs) I I have totally have some younger listeners down here being like I'm already there um But like the shame around Mm self-pleasure, right, is so big. Huge. It's huge. And like what you spoke about with the, um, the, your throat chakra. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, me too. Like for the longest time, I wouldn't make noise at all in the bedroom. Like nothing. And how many of my partners would be like, can you please make noise? And I'd be like, I'm terrified. Like I'm terrified of being judged. Yeah. Wow. That's so deep. And also if you are making noise, is it authentic? Right. And, and if you aren't like, so- are you even enjoying no, and is yeah. that the reason you're not making noise or where's the safety place? Yeah. That leads to a whole nother can of worms of like actually knowing what you like, what feels good, feeling comfortable yeah. in your body. When I'm performing, I am nowhere in my body. I'm up in my head and I'm down in my root 
and I'm trying to force myself Mm -hmm. to orgasm if I get there, like if I'm getting eaten out or something, but like when it comes to sex and like, if you're not communicating what feels good, or like, if you're not using toys or however you orgasm, like if you're not forward or open or feel comfortable about getting your needs met, they're Mm -hmm. not going to get met. And so you're just trying to force it to happen to perform. And then like making these noises that we learned in porn or something. (laughs) I personally have never really felt drawn to porn. And that could be a whole nother like weight of shame that I, I don't even know I'm drawn to. I don't Mm. feel like I'm drawn to it. I've watched it before, but I just feel like I've been trained as such goody two shoes that like, it just doesn't appeal to me. Um, but it's just interesting how disconnected we are from what's actually real and authentic. And I joked about on my own podcast when I talked about sexuality, how some girls are like doing all this kinky shit and using butt plugs and just like all out there. And like, that is goals for me. Like, I wish I was just like so open to do anything, but I felt so vanilla in the bedroom. I was afraid to make noise. I still am like, I'm not dating right now. I haven't even opened. I've become aware of these things, but I haven't tried on any of it yet. Um, as far as being more expressive or playful or feeling comfortable in my own skin, I haven't tried anything. Um, but I've gotten to the point where I do self-pleasure almost every day, but it's like, it's almost like homework for me because I know that I have to do it to continue to grow in this area. And I learned through like a yoga workshop I went to, uh, this girl told her story about getting sexually assaulted and she met with some sort of healer and the healer told her that she needs to orgasm multiple times a day and like do this, her own healing practice and use yoni eggs and all that kind of stuff to, um, help break through that shame and heal the issues in our tissues stored in our sacral (laughs) energy center specifically or heart space. You never know. It could be everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so that really like activated my self-pleasure journey, but my older sisters still like a couple of them are like very uncomfortable. Don't talk about, and don't self-pleasure. They think that it's wrong. And like the only pleasure they should be getting is from their partners. And so that's baffling to me. Um, but I'm over here self-pleasuring, like thinking about my manifestations, breathing (laughs) up in my energy centers, like visualizing the colors. And then when I have an orgasm, why like, sometimes I want it to be in my crown chakra. Like I can feel it all the way in my body versus just jamming it into the root. And I'm like, how am I going to do that with a partner? They're going to be like, what the fuck is she doing? Like breathing deep. I'm not like whiny moaning. Like, how do you get to that space of just embodying what you are, who you are authentically, what feels good and like not giving a fuck about the acceptance, like just doing what feels good. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> like everything Can you've you ever there fully get like, there. I don't know. Fuck. I, and, and it's interesting too, because, um, like the journey I've been on is so interrelated to like everything you've said of, you know, finding my voice in the bedroom, which I'm still working on. You know, I still feel super awkward when I say my husband's name, like, like I'm like Josh and I'm like, Oh, that's so weird in my mouth. (laughs) Right. Like, and like, you know, he or my, my other partners will say my name and I'll be like, Oh, that was like, you said my name. Like, what is this? Um, but like, and it's interesting too, because I have another male partner who like will say things that, 
like his verbiage is actually what gets me there. Like he'll say things and I'll be like, that's the thing. Like, just mm. keep talking to me. But, and then he's like, talk. And I'm like, um, <laughs> like, I can't, like, I can't do it. But like that journey has been so huge for me, the self-pleasure journey, because like I stopped for so long. So I stopped self-pleasuring myself and my husband, like God bless his soul. Like by, he'll buy me all the toys. He'll buy me everything. He'll be like, go self-pleasure, go self-pleasure, go self-pleasure. And the more and more I do it, the more I heal the Yoni eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an obsidian wand as well. Um, and all those things, like since working with them, that's where like the explosion of healing of magnetism, like that's when my business started to blow up was like me working with these tools. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's mind blowing. Yes. Oh my gosh. You got the one with the ball on the rose quartz. The rose quartz dildo. <laughs> okay. So almost went for rose quartz, went for the black obsidian. Cause I was like, I got so much shadow work to do down here. Like, and I named her Lilith, no surprise. Um, and it's just wild doing this work because we're literally releasing like so much trauma from mm-hmm. the, that, that place. And in that, like, I feel like I personally am finding like my true self more and more mm-hmm. every day. How have you felt safe to do this work? Because I feel like a lot of listeners out here might be in the thought process or this might all be new for them. And they're probably like, how the fuck do I even start? (laughs) Right. And I think a lot of these emotions, like why we, and this goes back to addiction, why we numb with weed, sex, alcohol, love shopping is because these feelings of shame are so heavy and overwhelming. And then like, once you move up a little bit on the vibration scale, like shame is literally at vibration zero. That's Mm -hmm. why it's the heaviest emotion. It's the most dense. It's literally doesn't move in our body. But then when we get into like fear or sadness, like there's a little bit more movement there, but either way, it all kind of connects together. And when we allow ourselves to open that portal, it feels like I'm going to die. Like, (laughs) I feel like we were never held the space to process and a tantrum or a sadness episode or go through the feelings of heartbreak or whatever we went through from childhood all the way till now, like it started in childhood and not knowing how to have safe space held for our emotions, but because we never got to fully process and they got stored and jammed in our tissues, uh, we learned that like, we thought that if the sadness came up, we have to shove it down because we didn't understand that it eventually ends. It, it's like this bell curve of emotion. It comes and it ramps up and it feels like I'm going to die for a little bit. If I feel grief, sadness, anger, whatever it is. And then it eventually goes away. Or if you have a really big crying episode, it's eventually you're going to cry yourself out. Yeah. But we don't even feel safe enough to get into this work because it's so fucking scary. Why are feelings yeah. so scary? Why are they? And and that's great. I've actually been thinking a lot about um, like people talking about millennials lately and how millennials are the generation. Like the, I saw a TikTok re- like I don't know, earlier today, but it was basically like millennials are the parentless generation. And I'm like, that's not true. A. Mm-hmm. And B, like, I feel like everyone's always like, oh, it's because of this and this and this with millennials, like that's why millennials feel like they never had space to like uh, talk about their emotions. You know, our parents were very much um, like just shut it down. But I think that's because of like the Scorpio Pluto energy, right? Like that that is sexual trauma. That is power struggles. That is like unsafe emotions, right? Um, and is your Pluto in? Is is your Pluto in Sagittarius? 
I don't know. Probably is. We'll look an- another time. But what year were you born? 1997. 97. Okay. So you'd be a Sag for sure. Um, but it's just so interesting because it's like, we, we think that our emotions weren't supported by our parents and maybe they weren't, but it's also like our emotions weren't supported by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then it's like asking these questions around safety. (sighs) It's like, it's so interesting because the more I just lean into my authentic raw, very Lilith like side that I know is there, you know, like we, I, we all have this, like, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I know you have that innate wild woman and you just being like, look, oh, yeah. oh, motherfucker. Like, um, and when we lean into that, that's what I find when I lean into her, when I lean, lean into freedom, when I lean into liberation, when I lean into my astrology, like I make space to just decide I'm safe. I, I don't know if that sounds mm. weird, where I'm just like, I am creating my safe space because like, I did, I didn't have it right. Like I, I never had that safe space as a kid. Um, so it's like, I have to take that control and be like, all the relationships I allow myself to be in the people I let allow, allow into my life, the love I allow into my life, all of it has to be, has to be in alignment with what I feel is safe. And if it's not, it's got to go. I think that's one of my biggest lessons of my twenties was like, if you don't make me feel safe, get the fuck out of here. Yes. Right. Yes. It is so much of that decision process in yourself, the narrative, like, I feel like you have to dive into the shadow work first, which is what I'm doing right now, getting to understand what happened within me, what happened with mom and dad. Like that's so Mm -hmm. important to know because you can't just slap an affirmation over it and be like, I'm safe. (laughs) I'm loved. I've been trying for so fucking long to like yoga and mantra my way to healing. But like, it wasn't until I actually did the dirty work of going to the places that are hiding deep down that I don't want to see the light of day. Gotta go there. And then you can rewrite your narrative, rewrite your story and decide I'm fucking safe. And like, I can tell you definitely have some recovering people pleaser energy as far as like not wanting to share your sexual trauma story to save your family (laughs) from hard emotions. Like I can totally get that. Um, I am a recovering people pleaser myself, but I feel like I've just decided that the pain of hurting myself is greater than the pain Mm. and the fear of affecting someone else's emotions. Like I don't want to carry that shit anymore. And when other people, when I make other people feel a certain way, like obviously I need to be conscious of my presentation and how I express things. Like there is some level of awareness and like compassion, or I guess just consideration that you can give to other people. When you express your stories, you don't have to like let out the whole can of worms, but like being able to know that other people's emotions aren't really ours at the end of the day. And like whatever boundaries we need to set, it is so empowering from being able to say, I don't want to go to that hangout. I don't want to do this too in the bedroom. I don't want to do this yet. I'm not ready. I'm comfortable. And then you can say, I'm comfortable with these things too. But I feel like it starts with the small areas of our lives of like the friend hangout, setting boundaries with mom and dad, like just going against the green in different ways. And then that builds like that habit becomes a natural reflex. And then we can set boundaries for these bigger like areas of life and going back to like the inner child stuff again and making that decision to change your narrative and your story after you do kind of that deep dive work. I was just talking about this with um, a group of sober friends that we meet with every week. And 
my friend shared with me um, a few statements of like wounded inner child statements or core beliefs that we have. And the one for unsafe is I believe that the world is unsafe and I am unsafe. And the medicine statement for that is would be me speaking to my inner child. I'm guarding your safety and want you to feel safe. And it's like not only being able to give that to my inner child and let her know you're going to be safe. I've got you. Like if no one else does, I still got you. But my inner child also recognizing the need that like, I want to feel safe and being able to embody her too. I feel like I've tried to be the reparent so much that I've, Mm, I've forgotten that I'm still the inner child too. Yeah. And that's huge, right? Like, I don't know if you have a name for your inner child. My, my inner child's name is Victoria. That's like my legal name. And so it was always the name, like when I was in trouble, I was Victoria. Mm. Um, So when I was working with um, some energy healers years ago and my therapist, it was, she was like, name her. And I was like, oh, she's Victoria. And like owning that she's still within me because like we're, we don't, I saw a great TikTok actually that was saying basically like every birthday, it's not that we get older or that like you are now like 30 or you are 25 or you are 39. Like it's that you are all the years before that. And now you're learning to be, you know, now you're experiencing that 39th year and then you're going to take her with you too, right? Like you are your age plus all those years before you. And I was like, damn, whoa, right? Like, yeah, I am that five-year-old. I am that six-year-old that experienced sexual abuse. I am that eight-year-old that was like, um, got super embarrassed for trying to flirt with a guy and a teacher got me in trouble because I was screaming outside of a portable. I don't like, I am still that girl, right? Like. I am the girl that had her heart broken at like 12 years old. I am all of those people. And you are all of those people before you, like you just get to add on another year to you. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that like that inner child or inner teenager, inner whatever is still there, Mm -hmm. right? She's still there, possibly experiencing trauma, possibly still being ignored. Yeah. And I feel like when we acknowledge those things, that's when we can carry our story gracefully And know that we are those things, but not attach like our current reality to those, those past identities or those past experiences. But when we're in denial of them and don't actually take the time to care for them and to unravel what needs to be unraveled there, it's like in the, on the one hand, we're pushing it away, but then it's at the forefront of our lives in the other hand. And we're like, well, this happened to me and this is why I'm so hurt. And then we try to like, excuse all of our reactive behaviors for this, these things that have happened to us. So we all know what's happened to us. We all know that we are all these parts of ourselves, but it's like, are you going to actually look at it and bring it to light and know that just because these things happened to you or you did these things, like there's nothing wrong with you and you are loved and you are safe and you're going to be okay. Or is it like, I know these things happen to me and I'm just going to put it all under a rug and let my shit splat everywhere where people can literally tell basically what happened to me without me acknowledging it. Cause, cause I think when I don't acknowledge my shit, I'm super reactive. Um, really like, it depends how it comes out. Some people might be really shut off and emotionally numb or on the other end of like explosive. And so Mm -hmm. I think when you actually, do the work, quote unquote. I think we're all doing the work to some degree, but when you actually consciously take charge of it, 
Um, you can carry it with grace and people, you have this energy that people have what you want and you end up being a leader and a guide and radiating light that people want to be around. Yeah. Like amen to that, because I see that in my own journey a lot, like the person I am now in comparison to the person I was 10 years ago, like her reactivity, her anger. And don't get me wrong. I still have my little explosions. That's my signature. I got a stellium in Leo. I get dramatic as fuck, but it burns quick. Like it's quick and hot. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry for her. Um, Sorry for Victoria. She, she needed some support that she didn't get but I'm able to witness it. Right. And like, um, the, the, the amount of healing we do really is interrelated to our, our emotional reactions, right. And how we learn how to respond rather than react is so interrelated to how much trauma work we're willing to do. And we can see it in people around us. Like you said, where if someone's super explosive and like ready to just like, like just fire off and lose our mind off the head, it's like, Ooh, how much trauma are we not dealing with? Like, yeah. Hurt right? people, hurt people kind of hurt a thing. Hurt, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or those people that just shut down and like, you're just like, okay, that's your trauma response. And, um, it's, interesting to witness it from being a person that is more responsive now where I'm like fascinating I was once like you Mm. right yeah and oh I get why that triggers me so much because you're literally my mirror for all the parts of myself that I don't want to accept exactly oh my god I love this okay so even like tying this in because you're doing nutrition work now and like just it's so interrelated to the body is there anything you can offer to anyone listening to like do whether it's nutritional whether it's embodiment I don't know like techniques to work with shame Mm -hmm. I am like the biggest advocate of therapy I think going on a journey with someone else or a coach or someone that you trust and feel drawn to I think therapy is like at times the most widely accessible depending on insurance, but like I would not be who I am, where I am without my therapist, without the recovery programs. I did, I did eating disorder therapy first, then I did or outpatient treatment. Then I did, um, substance abuse outpatient treatment. I think that was the foundation for me. Again, it's on a spectrum. So you might not be there where like you need that help, but you still want to have some level of support outside of yourself to, to get something moving. You're never going to move if you don't have anyone around you to support you. And like Vika and I are here a DM away always. Like, yeah, I have been so proud of people who have the courage to reach out and they're like, Hey, it's so weird that I'm messaging you, but like, I just wanted to say, and like, they'll share why they related to my story, my podcast, my whatever it is and share a little bit about theirs. And I'm like, this is your first step. You have Mm -hmm. no idea what's going to happen or unfold after this, who you're going to meet, what you end up taking action on because you took the hardest step of opening up for the first time. Um, I like when people ask me what my purpose is on this planet, I say that it's bringing the darkness and the shame into the light and like turning your pain into your purpose. And so well, however you can bring your shame into the light, I think telling someone, and like I said, getting that accountability, um, is one of the most crucial steps, but it's also, yeah, that embodiment work. I have so many different tools that 
I feel like I offer more than I actually practice. <laughs> I'm so quick <laughs> I to like, share all the things, but then I'm like, when I'm anxious or in my shit, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, DBT skills that I've learned from therapy of like cognitive rewiring and, mm. um, something that you said of like, Oh, sorry, that was Victoria. She's she was feeling this way and her needs weren't met. Like that was, you totally just like blew over that. But like, that is the fucking gold. That is the juice of being able to have that gap. And that's why we meditate. That's why we yoga. That's why we do all these forms of movement to get energy out of the body and to tap into our body, like get energy out so we can tap in kind of a thing so that we can actually have the space in between our reactivities to have that moment of recognition of, oh, my inner child is feeling that way. She didn't have this need being met. That takes a level of consciousness and work that like does not happen overnight. There were years where I was just practicing yoga to like get a workout in and feel good. And that's (laughs) fine. Like that was the first layer of my path, but it's like, now I see that this is a mode so that I can show up better in my life for myself, for my inner child. Um, it just depends like what you're drawn to. I think self-pleasure is a huge, like rabbit hole to dive down, finding people on Instagram, like even following people that you Vika follows, like going into her followers, seeing like what you can find. There's so much education out there on social media too, about this stuff and how to like find practical tools to help you dive in. Um, but you don't find it and you think there's no world out there that does that until you find it. Like I didn't think anyone was talking about sobriety on social media till all of a sudden I dove into the world and I'm like, they're everywhere. Same thing with (laughs) self-pleasure. Um, and then bringing it into your life. Like, I don't know, in intimate relationships, it's like, how are you actually going to make that change to have the conversations, express your needs, like switch your habits, whether it is on the side of under expression where me and you, we can't voice our needs, or maybe you're overexpressed and you're fucking left and right and sending nudes for validation and you're just like sex is nothing but pleasure and like you're not aware of the energy exchange whatsoever and like you feel emotionally untouched by it but like deep down your energy and emotions are being very much touched by what you're doing to yourself so there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with our side of the fence either it's just like how do you How do you embody and align with the version of yourself that you know you're meant to be? Like you can feel that calling deep down of who you want to be and you know how you self-sabotage. So how do you overcome that? I think it's just practice. And like for me, it's been a period of celibacy. Like in my first year of sobriety, um, I was told not to date. And that was really fucking hard because love (laughs) is my addiction even more than marijuana, like I would say. That was my first addiction before I found drugs. Um, And so (laughs) not being able to get validated and go on dates or have someone to focus on besides myself is literally so hard. Like Mm. I give credit to anyone who's doing this work because it's so hard to like, it feels like being sober, but from love. And the interesting thing is with drugs, like, it depends on your view of sobriety and recovery. But for me, I hope to be abstinent from all the things. I just know I have such an addictive personality that even if I dabbled with psilocybin or whatever, it would probably bring me back down a scary path. That's just me. So I hope to like 
stay clean, but um, with love, you have to learn how to reintegrate it into your life. If you do take a period of like love sobriety or with eating disorder recovery, it's and like body dysmorphia, healing, all that stuff. It's like, you have to learn how to have a relationship with food. You can't just like cut out food and be like, I'm good. So (laughs) all these different ways of healing, which I think the core of a lot of them are shame and abandonment. Um, it takes a lot of different forms and a lot of different tools that are needed. But I think at the end of the day, embodiment work of getting into your body, shifting your state, getting out of that story, like letting the feelings come up as they need to, but not prolonging them and like getting it the fuck out of your body and like choosing to shift is really important. Mm, I love every, like, I hope everyone's taking notes because it's so good. (laughs) Oh, I just want to take all of that and be like, yes, umbrella of all of these things. It's It's so hard. There's no, like, I never have a clear, easy answer. No. And there isn't one, right? Because we're so multidimensional and because like we'll shift and heal one thing and then something else will come up in the same Mm -hmm. vein. And we're like, Oh, now I'm here. Um, I think everything you've said is a really good umbrella of like places to go, things to access, but also to adapt within, right? Like the presence, the, yeah, I I think it's beautiful. The embodiment practices, the, the like consciousness, trying to be as conscious as we can, Mm -hmm. um, but leaving space to also like just feel our shit. Yeah. And I think like a hard lesson that I've had to learn is no one can tell me what to do next. I've always wanted a leader, a healer, someone to tell me this yeah. is what you need to do. But it's like the reality is you get washes of information just like you did from listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> and then you have to go within yourself and do that hard work of asking, what do I need? And yeah. sometimes you don't know right away. The connecting to our intu- intuition is a journey of itself um, to know where to start, what to do. And the fixer and the healer in me makes like, I want to be able to just be like, Oh, well you could do this. But like people haven't done that for me. And when they do it's that's, you're not learning the lesson that you need to learn. So actually being able to realize like, no one can tell me what I need to do next, what I need to heal, like trusting that you are your own best healer and you have to take that action to decide and move forward and it's scary and it's hard and it's full of uncertainty but at the end of the day it's you and like no one told us how to heal we didn't have a rule book but like here we are super evolved and far down our journey but we yet still have so much room to grow (laughs) and look up to other people that were like can you tell us how how the fuck do we get there Mm -hmm. so don't look at us and think like we've got it all figured out we've just been spending a little bit of time yeah we've just been here a while in these woods (laughs) and it's so true right like we we have our people too that we we look up to and they'd be saying the same thing that they're 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 over there like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing either right like I just have spent enough time to be a witness and that's that's what we do um oh my god I love this this is beautiful okay how can my people find you? How can they work with you? What are you, what are you offering right now? Are you offering anything? I'm not offering any services right now, just because that conflicts with my professional job right now. I'm not allowed to um, work with other people independently right now. So the way that you can work with me or 
have access to my energy is coming to my virtual hangouts. We have them every Sunday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, We talk about a whole host of topics, sometimes based on my podcast episode of the week. Um, But you can find the link to sign up in it's like a little Google Forms questionnaire in the link in my bio. My personal Instagram is at Vanessa Persephone. And my podcast is at Angels Anonymous Podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, access to my energy is free right now. It could change in the future, <laughs> but I'm just focusing on health coaching on a corporate professional level right now. And maybe we'll expand independently in the future. But yeah, that's but where you can find me. Still beautiful. Yeah, go go hang out with her, guys. If you need support on like all these things we've talked about today, what a beautiful offering and place to be um and a great reminder that we do need support and we can't do this alone we just can't do it alone we can't nope (laughs) oh my gosh thank you for your vulnerability and like your willingness to go to places that you know most people aren't I appreciate it absolutely it's what I'm here for yes I love it so much cancer came through here so much of your cancer energy came through so I think that's so beautiful so for everyone listening go find her, absorb her magic. Uh, she's, she offers quite a lot of God, you put so much beautiful, like just love into your Instagram. Um, and I don't know if you do it intentionally, but just like so much of your heart comes across. So anyone listening, just go follow Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. It was such a pleasure having you. Yeah. Thanks for having me.